It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves and Ashley Fresca on 95.5 WSB. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. It's 6.06, 44 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves with Georgia Gardener here to help you be more successful in your landscape with anything you want to do. If you have something that's making you unhappy, some situation, some plant that's just not doing to suit, then you call here, 404-872-0750. Ashley is off this weekend, so I am not held to account as her role is to hold me to account to make sure that I don't tell any lies. And so I am not going to be restrained by her looking over my shoulder, asking me why I said that, asking me if I'm really sure of that answer. Today, I can make up the answers to any question you call. 404-872-0750. Let's see now. Over the last weeks, I have talked about poinsettia. Talked about amaryllis and paper whites one week. What, what holiday plans is left? Mistletoe. Mistletoe. We need to talk about mistletoe. Well, what do we know about mistletoe? Well, besides the fact that you're supposed to be kissed underneath the mistletoe. Mistletoe. All right, I got to arrange my thoughts here about it. Mistletoe is what's called a hemiparasite. It is not a, quote, Technically, a parasite is a hemiparasite, meaning that it is able to support itself a little bit, but it also pulls juice and sap and things like that from the tree that it roosts on. And because it's a hemiparasite, it has to be there. It doesn't, doesn't float through the air. It is actually planted on the tree by birds. How does a bird plant anything on a tree? Well, one of the things about mistletoe is that the berries on it has white berries. You've probably seen it if you've ever gotten a little sprig of mistletoe and somebody's you know, carried it around at a party or something like that. Then you know that the little sprig of mistletoe usually has five or ten maybe little white berries. And I encourage you to take one of those berries in your fingers and mash it. And you'll find that the juice that's inside there is very, very sticky. The seed itself is very, very sticky. It takes a, it takes a little bit of effort to actually get the seed off of your finger once you've mashed a mistletoe berry. And birds find the same problem. They can eat the berry, the juice they like, sure. The seed, they can't crack with their beak, and so they pretty much either defecate the seed or the seed sticks to the side of their beak and they simply wipe it off on the twig on which they're, on which they're resting in the tree. Now, once that mistletoe seed has... Uh, Sat there on the on the twig for a little bit. It's sticky, remember, so it sticks to the to the tree. And once it is stuck there for a little while, it got a little moisture, a little heat, and the seed will split open, and a thing like a root comes out of it. It's called a hostoria, technically a sort of a, a plant root that comes out and it burrows through the bark of the twig that it's sitting on. And so the hostoria goes into the twig, starts. Uh, contacting the cambium and phloem layers in there to get the water and the sugars and everything from the twig. And the top of the twig sends out, or the top of the mistletoe seed, sends out little leaves, little green leaves that come out. 
and they sprout and they sprout and they re-sprout. So you have a little mass of green in the top of your oak tree, pecan tree, maple tree. You see these little masses of green, about the size of a basketball sometimes. And the hostoria has rooted it down into the sap of the tree. And again, this is a hemiparasite, meaning that it's sort of a parasite. It takes nutrients from the tree, but it also can synthesize, photosynthesize itself. This is green, after all. And so it uses sunshine itself. Some have asked, what exactly does mistletoe mean? And having told you why and how it sprouts, I can tell you what how it means. You'll understand what mistletoe, the name, means. Old, old German refers to mistle as a mash or as a pile, as an unclean pile. In other words, it's poop. Toe is, again, old, old German meaning twig. And so mistletoe means poopy twig. <laughs> That's exactly what it means. So when a bird makes a poopy twig, that's how mistletoe sprouts in the tree. Another question, is mistletoe bad for the tree? Yeah, sort of. I mean, you can see some trees that just seem to be eat up with it, basically. They have lots and lots and lots of mistletoe up at the top of the tree. And you wonder, well, will all those limbs fall out? They are weakened, yes. But do they fall out in a ice storm or windstorm or something like that? Usually not. Usually the mistletoe is not quite enough to weaken it badly, but I sometimes see limbs that have broken right at the point where the mistletoe was invading the limb, and I think to myself, I bet it didn't weaken it right there, but that was the mistletoe's fault. Can you do anything about mistletoe in a tree? When I was a kid, we went out and shot it out of the tree. My dad's 410 shotgun and went out and shot mistletoe out of the tree, and if you aim just right, you get a whole big mass of it to come down out of the tree, boom, boom, bang. And then you can cut it up into little sprigs, and you could conceivably sell it to your neighbors or take it to the a, a hardware store and give it to Mr. Travis and let him sell it. And you'd always reserve two or three or four to put it over the doorways in your own home so that when your mother or somebody came by unsuspecting, you'd say, Mama, look, mistletoe, you have to give me a kiss. And that's how we use the mistletoe on the farm. So can you do anything about it? Pruning it out is about the only thing you can do. There are no sprays that a homeowner would be comfortable using that will control mistletoe. You can't put weed killer or Roundup, anything like that, on it because it will hurt the tree. So really the only way to control mistletoe is to prune it out. And in my case, who wants to go 20, 30, 40 feet up into a tree to prune out a little green bunch of mistletoe because it doesn't look right in the oak tree? So I say leave it alone. Don't worry too much about it. It's not going to hurt the tree that badly. But mistletoe can, as I said, be used as a decoration. It can be used as a uh, bird seed, bird food, I guess. And it has a nice uh, name to remember, too. Poopy twig. Poopy twig. That's what mistletoe means. Every bit of that was true. All right. Now, Ashley, even though Ashley was not here, even though Ashley wasn't here to question me and say, are you sure about that? Come on. Poopy twig, are you sure about that? It's true. Every word of what I have just said, absolutely 100% supported by research and science. Going to the phone, Robert in Monroe joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Robert, good morning. Hey, Walter, how you doing? Hey, man, I'm all right. What's up? Hey, I've got uh, about six or seven crepe myrtle trees that they have been planted probably about 15 years ago yeah. for some odd reason. Uh, old homeowner had put them around the house where they get zero sunshine. So they have not 
progressed at all. Yeah. Uh, looking to finally transplant them. Uh, looking for any advice that you'd be willing to give me. How tall are they now, Robert? Uh, I've kind of kept them cut back, so they're probably no more than eight foot tall. Okay. I mean, they haven't got very thick at all, at all, yeah. you know, but uh, kind of kept them pruned back, trying to, you know, force the blooms, and they bloom a little bit. But, yeah. but they need sunshine. You're right. They need exactly. sunshine. Um, and you said they have eight. Is that right? Correct. Huh. You know, I would hate to have to dig that with a shovel. Do you have access to any kind of machinery, a backhoe or something like that? Uh, I, I mean, I could rent something. It's, the only thing is, it's close to the house, you know, close to the foundation. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I want to be real careful if you use machinery. If you want to expend the muscle energy to do it, Robert, now and all the way from now until the middle of February, anytime, anytime you've got a warm afternoon, it's not raining, <laughs> that's when you do it. In fact, it'd be easier if you waited till a day after it rains so the ground would be a little softer. So you can get the shovel in the ground more easily so you can find the roots. The roots will be in a, in a pancake around the trunk of the tree. They won't be uh, deep, so you don't have to dig a huge, huge hole down. And frankly, it's not all that important to get dirt around the roots. You don't have to have a root ball like you see as a nursery. That's, you know, that's ball and burlap technique there. But for you, if you get as much root as you can and... Uh, drag it over to your new place where you've already dug that hole, I'm sure, and prepared the soil there. Put it in there, cover it up with soil, water it in real good, mulch it, and they'll be perfectly happy, and I bet they'll bloom a lot better next year. Okay. Uh, any fertilizer uh, that I need to take if into consideration gonna, now? Or? Yeah, if I were going to fertilize, I think it'd be in the spring when they are greening up, when you get little bitty finger-sized leaves coming on. Yeah, fertilize then, and not a lot of fertilizer. That whole transplanting process is sort of—it sets the tree back some. You know, it's stress for the tree to be moved around, and so uh, something something smooth and simple like um, millorganite or holytone or or uh, any of the you know the sort of organic okay. parts would be fine. Okay. Could I expect blooms this? This summer? Or yeah, I think it'll be more, more than this year, a little bit. But then as the years go on and as it stores more energy from the sunshine you've exposed it to, yeah, I think in years to come it'll be much, much fuller and more balloons. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much, Walter. Hey, man. Happy holidays, Robert. All right. All right. Merry Christmas to you. Thank yeah. you. We'll see you soon. we got Russ in Covington. Hey, Russ. Good morning. Hey, Walter. How are you? Russ, I'm great. What's going on? Um, I have a uh, shady area underneath a uh, a pear tree yeah. that I'm trying to grow grass, and uh, I currently have centipede in my lawn, centipede grass, and I was wondering if there's a particular type that uh, you recommend to grow in that area, and that will blend well with centipede. There's about a dozen people around driving right now, and in the bed listening to the show, Russ, who are waiting on me to say, no. <laughs> I may have to go ahead and say it, Russ. There's no grass, per se, that really enjoys being in the shade. Your centipede certainly doesn't. Centipede loves being in the sunshine. Bermuda, sunshine. Zoysia, sunshine. Uh, fescue, somewhat shade tolerant, but you got to give it at least five hours of pretty direct sunshine for fescue even to thrive. And by thrive, I mean not have a bunch of holes and thin places where the weeds can get in. So that you're always out there pulling weeds out of the grass. It's just not a, not a hobby I like a lot, pulling weeds out of the grass. It's so thin because of the shade. 
So if you're going to grow anything green rust, the substitute that I commonly recommend is called Mondo grass. Mondo is not a grass exactly, it's a little li lily, but it looks like grass. It grows thickly, it's green, deep, deep green, and it will grow in deep, deep shade. All right. So you can, well, either, you can either buy it from a nursery or better yet, Russ, ask around to your friends in Covington and say, does anybody know whether someone has a patch of Mondo grass in the front yard or backyard that I can dig up? Because if you can dig it up and then spread it around your yard underneath your pear tree, it'll be a lot cheaper, a lot easier, and you'll get a lot more coverage if you have somebody else's Mondo that you just dig up and get rid of it for them. All right, that's that's perfect. I'll, I'll give it a shot. Thank you very much. Mondo Grass, M-O-N-D-O. It's 618 News Talk 95.5 WSB. We'll be back after this. Scott Slade here on your WSB Weekend. Enjoy Walter Reeves Lawn and Garden and Dave Baker's Home Fix-It this morning on 95.5 WSB. The WSB News Team, meteorologist Kirk Mellish and I will be here Monday morning with Atlanta's Morning News. Here's Walter. Mom got drunk and dad got drunk At our Christmas party We were drinking champagne punch and homemade eggnog yeah, Where are you going to find Christmas music like this in the Atlanta area? Nowhere, here. Jason Byers in charge of this, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, Lordy, Lord. Robert Earl Keane, they're complaining about his Christmas. And if you see, hear the rest of that song, Robert Earl Keane, you will enjoy it a great deal. Quick weather report brought to you by Finley Roofing today. It's 45 degrees right now, going up to around 55 this afternoon. Cloudy day. Chance of showers throughout, chance of showers tomorrow as well. High today, around 55 again. Low tonight, 47. Same for tomorrow. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on 95.5 WSB. Robert in Tucker has a possum report. Robert. Hey, buddy. How hey. you doing? Hey, man, I'm fine. Another thing, you never hear possums mentioned anywhere else in Atlanta except on this show. Possum man. Possum man. What's up? Uh, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to you and your followers. Thank you, sir. Especially to Nicole and uh, Miss Pike in, uh, in Alabama. Yes, sir. Uh, Give you a possum report. Uh, I lost my possum. I'm sad to hear it. Uh, I'm very sad to hear it, too. Uh, they're very intelligent. The problem is that they their smell, they can't see very well. But they're not They're not Nocturnal. It's like a nocturnal. You got it, Robert. Keep those syllables lined up good. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh this one I love so very much. Uh, uh, we got together with my uh, cats for like six months. And I got to the point of well, I could pet him and everything. And they get used to you. And the next thing you know, they're out being eaten by dogs and yeah. cats. And, and it's, it's very sad. It is a sad but, story. Uh, but it was a great experience. And I that, that just... They're just a beautiful animal. They don't have fleas. They don't have ticks like uh, some of the other people that called and said. But they're, they're, they're 
such a great animal. They are indeed. And they really are. And uh, my next, have a nice new year. And Robert I'm sorry is, that I, it is great to talk to you this morning. Next time you have a possible report, please call in again. I love hearing I, it. I will. Good. Thank you very much. Good deal. Be safe, Robert. We'll see you soon. Possums incite all sorts of uh, emotions in people. And with me, Robert there, of course, we like possums a lot. I think some of you remember that back during the fall, I guess it was back in, mm, maybe in August it was, that I had a possum that got caught in a trap, that I, a live trap that I had set out for to catch some other animals, and I caught a possum instead. And so my neighbor and I were thinking, now what can we do to make this possum happy? And the best thing that we could think of was to give that possum a pedicure. So we got the possum in a, in a cloth sack and held him where he would be comfortable and not be able to move around and object to anything that we did to him and got my friend's uh, uh, nail polish and put nail polish all over the paw and nails of this possum. And then he was looking real pretty. And as a matter of fact, it was a she because we found out later we turned him upside down. It was a she, which is good. And uh, then we decided, well, if this uh, possum has his nails done, what else can we do? What about his tail? So we got a manny and a petty and a taily at the same time. And we let him go, let her go. And she climbed up in the, in the comedian right by the trail in the backyard. It was the prettiest little possum you have ever seen. If you have possible reports that you would like to share with us, 404-872-0750. Or if you have any other questions about trees, plants, shrubs, flowers, critters, bugs, insects, houseplants. If you have a question, we've got an answer and we'll be back after news. Live and festive in the Publix Holiday Headquarters studio at 95.5 WSB. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves and Ashley Fresca on 95.5 WSB. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. 635, 45 degrees outside at 95.5 WSB. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful doing whatever you want to do. Ashley Frasco is away this morning, but if you have a question about anything green, I speak plant, and I can interpret what the plants are trying to tell you, and I can tell you what to say to make the plant happy on a morning like this. 404-872-0750. David is in Tucker and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, David, good morning. Good morning. Well, I'm sorry to hear that one of my neighbors lost their possum. I know. You just look out the back door and see if you find it. I was thinking about you just a minute ago, thinking, would David find the other guy's, Robert's possum? Well, I have had a couple of possums walk into my front door when I had it open for a while, but well. that's been a little while. Uh, that was kind of adventure, but we don't have time for that story. Well, uh, keep the keep the cat food away from the front door, and you'd be better off, I think, David. Uh, very true, very true. Um, but uh, I understand you know we got the usual flower bulb suspects to be planted uh, now. Yeah. Uh, um, poppy seed can be planted now. I understand? Yeah, sure can. I planted mine uh, ten days ago. I was very proud of myself for doing it and finally remembering to do it. Ah, uh, very good. And is there anything else that one wouldn't think of of uh, putting in that's mm. be 
for you this time of year? Boy, that is a great question, David. All right, so we got the bulbs out of the way. We got the uh, daffodils, hyacinths, da uh, tulips, and things like that. We got the pansies and snapdragons and ornamental cabbage and kale, things like that. Good. We got the poppies, as you mentioned, because the seeds down now. Because the, if I'll stop for a minute here for other listeners talking about the uh, poppies. The reason you plant the seeds now, even though it's cold as all get outside, is poppy seeds need chilly weather and light in order to germinate. And so the way to plant them successfully is to scatter the seed over an area where you just lightly scratch the soil. And seeds do not need to be planted under anything. You can lightly pat them with your palm if you want to, but mine germinated just fine with no care at all after I scattered them very lightly over a bed in my backyard. And so poppies, if you want them to bloom this coming uh, spring, the time to plant the seed is now, as David pointed out. So what else? we got shrubs, trees, of course, so they can be planted right now. Is there anything else that needs a long time to... One of the things, David, that I don't think a lot of people understand is the need for many woody tree seeds to be stratified. Do you know that word, stratified? Mm-hmm. That's the one where you have to put the seed under uh, cold, damp conditions in order for it to germinate. And I had a question in the paper a couple of weeks ago about white oak and red oak acorns and what they need in order to germinate whether they want to have some white oaks in their backyard. And white oak acorns will germinate without any kind of stimulation. They'd fall from the tree, they'd germinate right then. Whereas red oak acorns have to have a period of at least 60 days of cold, wet conditions, meaning under the soil, or if you collect a bunch of them in the refrigerator with some peat moss in a plastic bag. So you have to give those conditions to the seeds in order for them to germinate. And uh, that's one of the things, if you're planting a tree from seed and want to know quite how to do it, be sure they are in the soil. Don't keep them indoors for any length of time because they want to be chilly. They want to be wet in order to germinate in the spring. David, I can't think of much else that can be planted right now that, or that should be planted right now other than the ones we've mentioned. Sad to say. I know that a lot of people don't know about the poppy thing, so I thought yeah. I'd mention yeah, a good thing. Another thing I think is a common question about bulbs, planting the, the tr traditional fall-planted spring-flowering bulbs like daffodils and tulips and things like that. How late can you plant them? Because the common question in January and February is, I found a bag of bulbs that I bought last October in the garage. What do I do now? Do I have to put them in the refrigerator? No. If they have been outdoors, had any exposure to outdoors during the time since you've bought them, they can be planted right then. Even January, even February, they will still bloom. It'll be a little later than they normally be, but all your neighbors will wonder why you have tulips blooming in late April. Oh, just tell, your, tell them you're smart. You know you got some special tulips that bloom in late April then. Uh, another question sometimes is, can you plant a bulb upside down? Will it bloom? Will it do anything bad if you plant it upside down? And the answer there again is, don't, don't worry, the bulb will figure it out. The bulb knows where up is, the bulb knows where down is, and the bulb will do just fine without having to reorient it and plant it right side up. They do fine. Well, you know, I got one uh, bulb uh, not too long ago put it in, and its directions <clears throat> mean you have to plant it sideways. Yeah, because you can't tell what's up and what's down. <laughs> it's, just, it's sort of the flat ones, the... Um, Ranunculus, I think it is, is flat one that you put it on its side because no one knows what's up and what's down without sort of microscopic examination. 
And so uh, you plant it sideways, and it germinates on its own. It, it knows what's up and what's down. Okay, great. Right. Well, you have a great holiday. It's just the same, David. Tell them, hey, and Tucker, watch out for that possum. Robert needs that possum back. Roger and Austell joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Roger, good morning. Hey, good morning, Walter. Um, I know we kept azaleas right after they bloom to make them fill out, but I've got some azaleas that are really need to be trimmed back. I'm trying to get in there in the wintertime and get that wisteria that's, that's just choking my azaleas. Can I go ahead and cut them on a day like today? Yeah, I don't see why not. Obviously, you knew this already, that if you prune now, uh, anything that you prune off that has a bloom bud at the end, which is most of the azalea twigs have bloom buds at the end right now. So if you prune them off, you won't have any blooms there. But if you have have a need to somehow take a severe pruning to it, if you need to move one or prune one that's about six or seven feet tall, you want to be four feet tall, that's a pretty severe pruning, and that's better done before it blooms rather than after it blooms. Okay. Okay. How big are the years that you want to prune? What's the story on yours? Mine mine are probably, um, uh, they're spread out, and they grow into each other, and I'm trying to prune them. Well, I could at least walk around them. They're probably four foot tall. Yeah. And uh, the wisteria gets in there. Then when we have the fall, the leaves of the wisteria fall off, and I can get to the wisteria to try to dig it up. Good. Good thinking. Uh, That's what I've done in the past, but it's just... Any nipping and tipping that you do removes flowers, but if you're judicious about what you do and how much of the twigs you take off and leave some untouched, then you'd have flowers from them and be able to get to the wisteria, of course, as you said. Right. Now, how do I kill the wisteria other than digging it up? <laughs> cussing it doesn't get it out. If cussing did, we'd be all dead by now. <laughs> Let me think there. Is there... How big are the vines? Are they thumb-sized, wrist-sized? How big is the main vine? They're, they go from thumb to pinky-sized to, oh, my God, I can't believe this thing is wow. this long and wraps around everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, I think the one, the, the one part that has a good motility, mobility, I guess is the right word to say, is Roundup Extended Control. Roundup, of course, you know the chemical in it is glyphosate, right. and I know that people accuse me of drinking Roundup like it's Kool-Aid. I do not drink Roundup like it's Kool-Aid. I understand that Roundup has, has uh, rumors that it's being harmful, but I believe research has not shown it to be dangerous to use. But Roundup Extended Control has not only glyphosate, but it also has another chemical in it, which helps it to move in even further on a, on a plant when it wants to sprayed on there. So if you've got some Roundup Extended Control and cut the wisteria vines right at the base, right where they come out of the ground, and then paint some of the Roundup Extended Control onto the stump we've cut, mm-hmm. I think it would go back at least a foot, maybe two or three feet, into the root system of the vine, which means you won't have any re-sprouting at least two or three feet from the trunk cut that you made. And if you have some more re-sprouts out further than that, you can always clip them or you can paint them, I guess, when they show themselves next spring. So yeah. that's what I think I would do is clip them, clip the wisteria, have somebody pull it out, and you at the same time get some uh, Roundup Extended Control and paint it on the stump. That's good. It'll work. Thank you, sir. You bet, Roger. Thanks for calling.
You know, the another thing, I had a caller, not a caller, I had a, uh, a question, I guess, about bamboo control. I had a, not a big area. It was only 10 feet by 15 feet or so, so it was not huge. But he wanted to control the bamboo in this area. And I gave what my advice was. I think one of them was get a bobcat and dig it all up because chemicals don't really move very readily in in bamboo, I didn't think. But I had a caller who said, or a writer, I guess, who was an email saying, you know, I get real good control of bamboo myself by cutting the bamboo about a foot high, just above one of the little nodes, you know, the little uh, sections on a bamboo stick that you see those dividing things on a bamboo, on a stick of bamboo. He says, I cut above that node, making a sort of little cup in there. And the cup then I fill with the Roundup Extended Control and he said it will go down and kill the bamboo for at least two or three square feet around the area of that of that uh, bamboo stalk. And he said if this guy only has an area of 10 feet by 15 feet, there's not but maybe 50 to maybe 60 or 70 bamboo stalks in there. If he took a saw, chainsaw would work just fine and cut each one just above the dividing thing, just above the little joint in the cane, and filled each one with some of my extended control roundup. He said, I bet he would have really good control of that bamboo sprout, sprouting area without a whole lot of trouble. Maybe. Without the, without the bobcat, maybe. So if you want to experiment, I would love it if you would report back to me. Find out if you have bamboo and you want to control it, cut it just above to a couple of inches above one of the joints, fill it full of roundup extended control, I'm assuming this is diluted. I'm almost positive it has to be the diluted stuff because concentrated would not do much better at moving, wouldn't go any further. So the diluted stuff, make a bucket full of it, and then pour each of those bamboo combs full of the diluted solution, and let's see what happens. I would love to get a report on that. You can do that anytime you want to, or report on your possums, either one, 404 872 647. We'll be back after this. It's Scott Slate. Did you know you can listen to Walter Reeves on Saturday mornings on your Amazon Echo or Dot? And me too, weekday mornings. Just say, Alexa, play WSB, and we're on. 95.5 WSB, Atlanta's news and talk. Here's Walter. They call me back, no Santa. I make my runs about to break a day. They call. Oh, yeah, more different Christmas music you might expect during this holiday season. Brought right here for you on the Lawn and Garden Show. Brought to you by Jason Byers. Quick weather update brought to you by Finley Roofing. 50 today, 50 will be the high today. Showers possible today and tomorrow. Tomorrow the high of 48, the low of 42. Still showers tomorrow as well. As I said, your full weekend forecast comes in 10 minutes on 95.5 WSB. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, a Georgia gardener. Ashley Frask is away. Our number is 404-872-0750. Philip is in Locust Grove and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Philip, good morning. Hey, how you doing today? I'm doing all right, Philip. What's going on? Um, I've got a uh, doctor that split uh, and, uh, during a storm earlier this year. I had to, had to take it down. It was a very large backer pear tree. And, um, I uh, I used to work for a power line clearance company, and so I've got some uh, some what we call stump spray. It's got like nylon and nylon and things like that yeah. in it. Um, 
those playing trees that will grow back um, after we cut them down. And, uh, and I've sprayed that on the root system um, and the little sprouts that were coming back after I snipped them off. Sure. And it just keeps coming back, coming back. And I'm wondering what I can do short of grinding all this stuff and uh, bug down roots to, to keep it from coming back. Yeah, Bradford pear is like wisteria. They're both very, very uh, tolerant of being chopped down and then re-sprouting from the root system. And crepe myrtle, too, for that matter. You may have seen, I've seen certainly crepe myrtles that were taken down to the ground and 10, 15 feet away, there are little crepe myrtle sprouts coming out of the ground from the roots, just as your bread for bear keeps coming up from the roots. As I say, and you found this too with the chemicals that you put on the stumps there, it is effective for a little while, a little distance on the trunk and on the roots, but it doesn't go all the way from trunk to way out of the tip of where the roots are. And there are buds along the roots that say, if mama is cut down, Philip cuts the main tree down, then we need to sprout out and give these roots more or energy, more sunshine, or more photosynthesis. Mm-hmm. So the, I guess the whole strategy, Philip, is to cut every sprout you can find down as soon as you see it. If you go out every couple, three days looking for those sprouts and cut them down, clip them down, get them out of there, eventually the root will starve to death. It cannot live without sunshine. So clipping is about as effective as spraying. Frankly, I would say you just clip it or mow it if it's in a lawn area. And uh, starve the roots. Okay. All right. Good. All right. Yeah. I, I wish I had a more 100% thing that worked every time that moved all the way into the root system of the plant. I just, there's no chemical that will do that. The plant has its own ways of protecting itself from, from chemicals and contaminants that are sprayed on it, on the leaves, on the stump, on the roots, or anything like that. And uh, we don't have anything that would go much further than a couple of feet from where it's applied. And frankly, that's a safety thing. You know, honestly, I don't don't disagree with that. If we had something that did go 30 feet from the trunk of the branch repair all the way out to the tip, that would be a dangerous chemical. I don't want to have to mess with something like that. I want something that I can control, that I know what it does, I know where it's going to go in the tree. Granted, it may not go as far as I want it to, but again, the strategy of simply starving the roots to death is probably as effective as anything you can do, save digging everything up. Wisteria, crepe myrtle, Bradford pear, uh, blackberries, anything, privet hedge, anything that sprouts up from the root sprouts, from the root system, starve it to death and do the best you can with that, and you will have a dead plant eventually. I'm not saying immediately, but eventually it will die. It's 6.57 at News Talk WSB. We'll be back after news.